Welcome to Tough Questions, where we address the most challenging issues of a real and a relative Christian faith. If you're joining us on Facebook Live or our YouTube channel, Instagram, or maybe the Tough Questions podcast, again, I want to say thanks for dialing in. Now let's get into our subject for this episode. The new series is titled um, Living Dangerously. And it's all about how we live our life and, and the question of what if we refused to play things safe? You know, we're always trying to sort our way through this life in a way that um, really is easy. It, it makes sense. It's easy to do. There's not a whole lot of trouble. Uh, things uh, work out to our advantage. I mean, all of those types of things that we try and do as we live our personal life, our work life, our life of faith, and all of those things. Well, you know, it can be quite a very challenging way to live. Do you know anybody that lives a dangerous life? You guys remember Evil Knievel? Remember him? You know, I remember watching him on TV and some of the stunts that he did, and it's quite phenomenal. And of course, Evil Knievel lived a very physically challenging life. He he put himself in harm's way over and over and over again, all to follow through on his uh, sport and to follow through on making as much money and a name for himself as, as possible. So I started thinking a little bit, you know, what other things, what other ways uh, do people live lives that are dangerous? So I started doing some research. And the number one dangerous way of living physically, uh, it, it's in, it, it has to do with deep sea fishing. One of my favorite shows is this show, um, Deadliest Catch. And you see these guys in the Barren Sea and the North Sea and all of these horrific places, uh, crab fishing and fishing for, you know, different types of fish. And, and it's a very challenging, a very dangerous environment. So what about emotionally? What are some of the most emotionally dangerous jobs out there? Well, according to my research, military is the most emotionally challenging job out there because, you know, you're putting yourself in harm's way, you're being pushed to your very limits, and then you go to places and do things that uh, you're being told that you need to do and you're following orders even when they don't make sense. And number two emotionally challenging job is that of a firefighter. Well, you know, that can be a, a huge issue, not only physically by putting yourself in harm's way, but also all the emotional stuff that goes along with it. And then I started thinking about character traits. What about character traits? What are some of the most dangerous character traits out there? Well, the one that came up repeatedly over and over and over and over again was the trait or the character trait of gossip. I found a, a, a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt that I think kind of describes it a little bit. And this is what she wrote. She said, great minds discuss ideas. 
Average ones discuss events, and small minds discuss people. You know, I, you know, all of these different traits, all of these different ways of living a dangerous life, people do it and get involved with it for various different reasons. Uh, there's money, you know, evil can evil doing the things that he was doing simply for the money and the recognition. Sometimes people do things and get involved with dangerous ways of living because they want to satisfy this personal desire that, that they maybe have to do something that no one else has done or nobody else can do. It's a way of, of identifying that I'm a little bit better or a little bit different or a little bit you know, more structured in this particular aspect of my life than most other people. Regardless of the fact there is a choice in living dangerously in life. A police officer, for example, chooses to put himself in harm's way, as do military and other professions like firefighters and things. They put themselves in these, in these places that are challenging and dangerous because they want to make a difference in the community. They want to be part of the answer and not part of the problem, so to speak. You know, those guys what if you and I prayed dangerous prayers. Think about that. What if you and I made dangerous requests or dangerous prayer requests to God? What would that look like in our life? How would that affect us emotionally and spiritually and physically? You know, unfortunately, most Christians struggle in their life of prayer. Their prayers are simple. They're very general. Uh, they're not very definitive. And a lot of times our prayers are kind of focused on us and on what we would like to have. Dear Lord, bless my family. Wrap your arms around our nation. Heal all of those that are struggling today with cancer. Sometimes our prayers are ridiculous. Lord, help me to become a millionaire. Oh boy, wouldn't that be nice? In Jesus' name, I command 40 pounds to leave my body. Now, how many of us wouldn't pray that prayer? Sometimes when it comes to our prayers and our prayer life, we feel like we need somebody special. You know, so we call upon the pastor or we call upon an older adult or we call upon some kind of a leader or spiritual leader uh, to, to pray, feeling like if somebody's praying on our behalf, then it'll get heard more or it'll happen sooner or or something. And, and that's just that's just not the case. We're gonna read this together. And it comes out of the book of Acts. It comes out of Acts three. And I wanna encourage you to kind of read that later on, uh, either today or during the week, uh, when you have time to kind of focus on it. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now, I want you to kind of, kind of highlight that a little bit. Peter and John were going to the temple at the normal time of prayer. Their hearts were already focused on communing with God at this point. And the scripture continues, it says, Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day 
to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now, this is something this guy had done for years. I mean, he was born this way. He couldn't walk. He was lame. And his family and friends brought him to the temple every single day so that he could beg for money or food or whatever he could get in order to survive. So there he is at the temple courts. And Peter, or when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, Look at us. I mean, he's like, What? Are you crazy? Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Guys, I want you to know that this was a real prayer. It was a prayer from the heart. It was a prayer that came deep out of Peter and John's heart. They knew the condition that this man was in, and they knew that they had nothing monetarily or physically to offer to him, but what they did have was faith. They had faith in Jesus, and they knew that Jesus could heal this individual if he, if, if he wanted to. You know, they had compassion for this man that they saw. They had spent three and a half years with Jesus learning about uh, the compassion of God, the, the provision of God, how Jesus answered, you know, the physical prayers that people had and brought them into a deep and a spiritual relationship with himself. They knew what real prayers were all about, and that was their attitude. They had an attitude of prayer going to the temple that day because they that was what you did at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You went to the temple to pray to God and to commune with God. And it's not like you... It's not like you went to the temple like going to church on Sunday morning. You know, you're riding to church on Sunday morning and you, you're talking about, well, where are we going for breakfast after church? That's not what they were doing. These guys were, were communing with God on the way. They were already developing this attitude of, of heart, this attitude of, you know, God is with us and, and I'm coming into God's presence. Uh, they were doing this as they went to the temple and when they got there, the Holy Spirit led them. Uh, to heal this individual. I want you to know that Peter and John had given up absolutely everything. It was a part of their ministry that cost them absolutely everything in order to see it through. They gave up family. They gave up their security. They gave up work. They gave up their own personal safety. Uh, they gave up the, the safety of their family uh, they had seen Jesus heal many, many times. They had seen the risen Christ. Uh, they had been empowered at this point in their in their life by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with other people. And these were men of deep relationship with God and spiritual prayer and contentment and relationship with God. They made this prayer that day in front of the temple in complete boldness. They knew 
the power of Christ. And they were willing to share that. They were willing to be obedient to God and to share that with others. I want you to picture this. These disciples were not really favored by the community. You know, the religious leaders were definitely against them because Jesus, uh, you know, was the one that they had uh, put on a cross and killed. They, they had him crucified because he was preaching other than what they were preaching. The religious leaders of the day wanted nothing to do with Jesus because he was interfering with what they felt and what they wanted to do in their religious lives and in their lives with uh, the nation of Israel. The temple guards at this point had to be absolutely furious. Now I want you to envision this picture. Peter and John are going up there. There's people coming and going. There's this beggar that's out there. He's been in the same spot as he, as he probably has been for days and days and days and weeks. And all of a sudden, he heals this, they heal this guy, and he's leaping for joy, praising God. Well, you know what? That must have been completely embarrassing to the religious leaders there at the temple and the religious guards that were there standing up and securing the, guard, you know, securing the temple for the religious leaders. This guy was in their face, praising God because I, I got healed. These followers of the way, this, this John and, and this Peter, these, these two guys that you guys don't like, and, and they've healed me. I've been, I've, been, I've been lame all my life, and yet they healed me. You haven't done anything for me. Let me tell you what. This was not a pleasant situation. And it continues. In the book of Acts chapter 4, it says these words. In uh, chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. This is a statement that Peter made to the religious leaders as well as to the, all the other people in the temple that were listening and watching. This was, without a question, a declaration of war. You know, Peter and John were saying, you guys got it all wrong. You guys, you, you murdered the Messiah. Uh, you've been misleading all of these people coming and going into the temple. Uh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. You guys are way wrong. These guys are right. Yeah, they were declaring war at this point. The religious leaders had been proven wrong. And the only explanation the only viable explanation was that Jesus is the Christ and that through the power of Jesus, this lame beggar had been healed and that John and Peter were followers of the one true God. That was the only, only viable explanation for how this man could have been healed that day. Well, it just gets worse. In Acts 4, uh, verse 29, it tells us these words. It says, And now, O Lord, this is a prayer that Peter and John were praying, and it's recorded for us. And now, O Lord, hear their threats, and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hands. 
with healing power. And may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. You see, this was a this was a this was living dangerously. This was Peter and John were putting their very lives on the line. I'm sure that what the religious leaders and the many of the other people in the temple uh, probably wanted to do this day was to haul these two guys out on the other side of the city gates and stone them to death because they were in opposition to the temple, in opposition to the religious leaders and what was being taught and said. They were in opposition to the guards. You know, these guys were basically saying, you guys got it all wrong and we got it right. And Jesus is the reason that this guy standing before you, who has never stood before you before, is now standing on his feet and leaping for joy. And then it continues to get worse. Talk about living dangerously. Acts 5. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and then brought them out. And he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. You see, it was a bold and a very dangerous way to witness. I mean, go back and tell these people again. You know, go back to the temple and tell these people about Jesus and about the life that they can have. You know, but through faith in Jesus. You know, as I look at all of this stuff that took place that day in this in this scenario, I see some ways uh, that we, just different things that you and I can learn about being bold in our Christian faith. First of all, I think Christian boldness always results in some sort of physical or spiritual opposition. I think when you and I are bold in our Christian faith and our Christian witness, it's always some kind of opposition. Not everybody accepts it. Not everybody believes it. A lot of people think it's nothing but foolishness. You know, Jesus told the disciples, he told people, he says, you know, if they hate me, Guess what, dude? They're going to hate you, too. You know, you're not above your teacher. If they hated me, then they're going to hate you. And you, too, will experience a lot of the same types of opposition that I have. So they arrested the apostles and they put them in jail again. You know, when you live for Jesus... When you live a Christian life and you do your best to live according to the statutes of God, things don't always go your way. It's not always rosy. You might be the only one of, of a group of friends sitting at home alone on a Saturday night because you're doing your best to live your Christian witness and, and maybe some of your friends can't accept that. Or maybe it's school. You know, you're not one of the, you know, the in crowd or the cool kids or whatever because you're trying to live a Christian life. And it's a little bit unusual for them. Some of the, the ways that you think and the things that you do or say, 
you know, might be things that might make them a little uncomfortable. Maybe you get passed over for a promotion at work because, you know, you don't think the same way that, you know, they want someone to think. You know, maybe, you know, doing the right thing as a priority in your life is not always what they're looking for in somebody. You know, if you're not ready to face opposition for God, I don't think you're ready to be used by God. I really do believe that. If you want to be used by God, then you got to be ready to put up with the crap. Another thing that I see in this story uh, is that when we're bold for Christ, when we're bold for God, when we are willing to live a dangerous life for God and be obedient to him and everything, many times it will release the miracles of God too. There's many examples in Scripture. I could give you some examples here today where, where you know, you live boldly and you live according to God's statutes and you try and do what God calls you to do and all of a sudden things happen. Miracles happen. I mean, God heals somebody. You know, or all of a sudden, you know, uh, the situation changes to your favor. You know, there's there's many ways that God works. And, and many times as we witness for God and we live for God and we do our best to be his servants and, and God responds in a way that allows us uh, not to be hurt, not to be, you know, looked at indifferently or whatever. Many times God responds in ways that are just totally unexpected. Acts chapter 5, verse 20. Go to the temple and give this people the message of life. Again. So at daybreak the apostles entered the temple as they were told and immediately began teaching. You know, this is the same thing that they had been arrested for a couple of times, and God once again asked them to be obedient and go back to the temple and do the same things all over again. I mean, come on. Now, granted, God got them out of there once. You know, he sent an angel and released them from from the prison or from the jail. And what did they do? They went right back because that's where God called them to go. The thing is, though, as we live a dangerous but bold Christian life, it's not always comfortable. The outcome is not always what we want or what we expect. But it is always good to do the things that God calls us to do and to be obedient and to search for him and to know him well enough that we understand what God is doing to some degree. I got to admit, a lot of times the, the call of God on a person's life, it, it always doesn't make sense. But in hindsight, I don't know anybody that doesn't look back after they follow God's will and say, you know what? Hey, I'm glad I did it. Regardless of how difficult it was or regardless of the pain or the suffering or whatever. What I want all of us to kind of consider today and for the rest of the week is, are we living a safe life for God or are we living or at least willing 
to live a dangerous life for God. It doesn't mean that each one of us has to be thrown into prison in order to do God's will. That's not it at all. What it means is we have to be willing and sensitive enough to know the voice of God and to follow the voice of God into the places that he leads us. And we need to continue to trust in him regardless of what the circumstances are or the way that things play out. That's the key. And that's what that's the key that we need to pay attention to. So I- Tough Questions is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church. Join us on podcast at toughquestions.buzzsprout.com or you can go to Spotify or Apple Podcast and just search for Tough Questions Joseph Bevan. If you'd like to join us live, you can do that on Facebook Live Sunday mornings at 11.30. Or if you want to check out our video archives, go to our YouTube channel at Rosebush United Methodist Church and just search as one word and you'll find us. Thanks and God bless.